Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report brought to you by Golf Preservations, the Andersons and Capillary Bunkers. I'm Anthony Piappi, your host. Joining me today is Dane Wilson. He's the golf course superintendent at the Wakanda Club in Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome to the show, Dane. Thanks, Anthony. Now, Dane, you got an interesting one here. You're, you're, you're renovating, restoring a 1922 William Lankford Theodore, Theodore Moreau golf course. And on top of that, you also host uh, a Champions Tour event, the Principal's Charity Classic. So tell me about balancing hosting a tour event and, and renovating, restoring a golf course. Yeah, um, interesting situation here because um, we do hold the event every year, which is typically that week of Memorial Day. And so, you know, typically we get a six to eight week window to get everything going and be in the right spot. And so um, on a normal year, even as it stands, you know, we, we've got a lot going on just to get ready for that. And then now we add, you know, this project on top of it. And to say the least, it is definitely a high paced uh, environment and project and, you know, really tight uh, time frame in order to get everything done and really, you know, like you had kind of said, truly restore this golf course back to the way it was in 1922. So, so the tour, the tournament gets over last year after uh, Memorial day, do you shut the golf course down or do you shut nine holes down? What, what's the process? Our original plan was to close nine and then work on those uh, few holes until we were ready to move on to the others. But just understanding what our timeline was to some degree, you know, what we had planned out, you know, the more we got closer and closer to it and tried to just lay out all the logistics to some degree, it just didn't make sense. And it was more advantageous of us to, you know, have the whole golf course and, you know, give us a little more free reign to, you know, organize the routing, how we were going to do things. And so what we had done is, um, we had finished the principal charity classic and then allowed our membership to play golf the next two weeks and then we had a, a large um, outing that we had on the 19th of june and so that's that's a big money maker for the club so we wanted to see that through and then you know we closed on june 20th and started to go you know knowing we had the tournament and still needing to do irrigation um you know we had a lot of things going on even before the tournament and so there was a lot of coordination to be done with the pga tour right i was going to ask you about that Part of our process, you know, we needed to remove a significant amount of trees, you know, some for health reasons, some to open up corridors. And, you know, like I said, the irrigation too. So, you know, really, we, we actually started, of, um, you know, the tree removal process in January of last year, leading up to the project. Okay. So at that point, we had uh, taken out 167 trees in about two weeks. So we actually got all those trees down had them off property and all the uh, stumps ground at that point. And then um, the irrigation, you know, irrigation was the driver of the bus for our project. You know, we were restoring the golf course, obviously, but, you know, we had an antiquated or becoming antiquated irrigation system. So uh, in order to just make everything work, we actually ended up having to start uh, installing mainline right before the tournament. And so that was, that's the hard part with the PGA tour because we're sitting there disturbing areas and, you know, it's not ideal for them, but just to, you know, looking into the future in order to hit all of our timeline was just one of those things that had to be done. Yeah. I was going to, I want to ask you about that. I, was there hesitation from the PGA tour when you came, when the club came to them with this proposal? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely there was. I mean, you know, what we what we tried to lay out and our main focus was just on main lines and we we tried to stay, you know, in some of the out of the way areas as much as possible, but like I said, just being a tight timeline, just communicating with them and one of the, those things and in order to accomplish this and be ready for the next year is one of those things that had to be done. And so our plan ended up being, you know, any main line we could install outside of the ropes we went for. Okay. Um, and then prior to the tournament, we probably got 30% of the main line in. That's a, that's a big amount. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah. So you're doing, you're doing some serious, some serious irrigation work prior to the tournament. The tournament gets played, your members get to play for a couple weeks, and then the real work starts. Then you, you start doing bunkers, the rest of the irrigation. And, and you said you, you, you rebuilt five greens, right? Correct. Yeah. And so uh, throughout, the, throughout the years, they had uh, rebuilt five of the greens on the golf course. Well, one of them being the putting green, four on the golf course, but then they also built um, number two. We had an upper and a lower green, so you could actually play it two different ways. Okay. Um, they built one of them ahead of the 1962 U.S. Amateur, just to all right, you know, make it a little harder. And then, you know, I guess just before that, too, part of our tree removal is we had a lot of non-native species, so the club you know, ahead of that U.S. Amateur went and planted 599 trees in 1959, <laughs> which, yeah. Congratulations. Which golf course into, yeah, yeah. No, turned the golf course into something it wasn't necessarily meant to be. Right. But um, I'm sorry. So anyways, the four to five greens, you know, they weren't obviously Langford greens. Okay. So they just didn't necessarily, you know, fit the golf course as much as the others did. And, you know, what we had done is we decided we were going to rebuild those five greens and return them to push-up greens because the remaining greens are the originals. And we just, I, I preach consistency more than anything. So right. whether we were going to do USGA or push-up, didn't matter to me just so long as everything was the same. So um, rebuilt those back to push-up and then gave them, you know, a, a length front and row style. And so basically four out of the five greens, we kind of used templates from other Langford greens. Okay. And then our short game area was actually the original green for number nine. And so we kind of just took that one, scanned it, and then returned it, you know, to its new place. And so our fifth green that we rebuilt was, you know, one from the property. What did you put down for, um, for turf on the greens? Is it, is it, it just, an, is it a new variety? No, it's not. So we used, uh, well, our existing greens were A1, A4. And okay. of those five greens that we rebuilt, we actually stripped all five of those and then repurposed those for green expansions on the remaining 13 that we had. And I had, I had this idea of, you know, trying to make my own blend of a one, a four, then maybe introducing some triple seven into it. Okay. But after talking through a, a number of people, um, just the uncertainty of the population that I would get out of that, it just didn't seem right to do. All right. You know, because I, I then thought I would go intercede the triple seven into um, into the existing green. Sure, sure. But like we had just talked about a second ago, in terms of consistency, I kind of wanted to just get to a point where they're all the same. So I ended up replanting A one A four, and then maybe into the future is what I'm thinking. Is then we'll try to just do some interceding, right? Just so everything stays the same and 
you know, we get that consistency. How, how was it to manage those five greens that the club had rebuilt at some point? Were they, were they a different animal compared to the other 13? Uh, they were US, actually, so they rebuilt them to USGA greens. Okay. And what was weird is it, it almost seemed like our push-up greens acted more like USGA than our USGAs did. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. You know, we had a, we had a, we had a hard time finding the, um, the bleed outs to those and then the high side vents to any of them. So it just seemed like all those USGA greens just held all the moisture. And so on a given day, you know, we'd be reading, you know, anywhere from 18 to 25 with our moisture meters on the USGA greens. And then our push-up greens, we would manage somewhere around 10 to 14. Okay. That's interesting. And so it was, it was just backwards from what you would think. But it's a, t- it's a testament. It's a testament to the, to the ability of, of Langford and Moreau to build greens that, that are that good. Right, exactly. A hundred years, years later. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, again, back to the consistency thing, we're sitting there treating these five greens completely different than the rest of the property. And, you know, something that we also learned, and we really only did it once we were going into the Principal Charity Classic, you know, we would spray a different wetting agent on the push-up greens versus the USGA greens. And, you know, we would time it appropriately where we would get the bottom to just drop out on the USGA green. So then that way we ended up treating them all the same, you know, or at least have that same trigger number when we go to water. That's, that's interesting, right? I mean, right. So there's, there's, there's cultural practices on five greens that are different than the other 13 to try to get them to play, especially for the pros, exactly the same. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, whether it be the fertility or those wedding agents, I mean, you know, even just in those three years, you know, it was mind boggling to me to just try to get them to the right point. But finally, right before we blow them up, you know, we figure out something that works. <laughs> I was going to say, so it took you, it took you two years to figure it out. And then those, then now it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so who were the, who were the, uh, the companies involved? Who's your construction company and irrigation company? Yeah. So we used uh, Wadsworth golf course construction for our, um, you know, actual construction work. And then Midwest Irrigation did our irrigation install. And so it, it was really nice, uh, one, having both of them because they're both great companies. But uh, this is the third project I've worked on with Wadsworth. And so really, I think, um, you know, I was able to get the foreman that I was, you know, really wanted and requested. Yep. So it just allowed us to hit the ground running, you know, off of day one rather than spending those two, three weeks trying to figure each other out. Right. And what did you go with for, for your irrigation system? We went with a uh, Toro irrigation system with an HDPE pipe. Okay. Um, we, we also moved our pump station. Um, so our old pump station sat at the bottom of the hill, and we've got 90 feet of elevation change between, uh, the, you know, throughout the whole property. But it's, it's not where, you know, one starts low, you get down to nine, and then work your way back up. It's, it's a roller coaster ride. So. Okay. Um, what we actually did is we moved our pump station to the high side as well. And so we went with a Watertronics pump station and then, uh, the Toro 800 series heads okay. with, um, with the HDP. And, and, and getting back to Wadsworth and, and Midwest irrigation, did you had to, they had to kind of t- take on a different role too, starting and stopping because of the tournament, right? I mean, you had to. You had to reserve those guys or set it up that they would be on site and then leave and then come back. Yeah, and so we didn't do any you know construction work prior to the project, but definitely um, the you know Midwest 
you know, what did we do? We started, um, what, May, right around May 5th with the main line. And then we worked all the way even up through advance week, you know, working on the main lines. And then they took the week of the tournament off, which was great for them because it was holiday week. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they started right back up that Tuesday after the tournament. Did you, did you hear anything from players about the work being done, whether it's positive or negative? Did they, did they even realize anything was happening? I think about that and, you know, even leading up to it, you know, even myself, I had some anxiety thinking about that. Like, well, what if somebody gets into these, one of these spots, but really by the time we got to tournament week, it was almost an afterthought. Like we weren't even doing anything. Everything was just focused on that. You know, everybody kept their balls inside of the ropes, which was great. Right. And it, was ultimately ended up being a non-issue. That's great. That's the that's the best you you. That's the best answer, right? I mean, it's all, if they didn't notice or it's a non-issue, that's perfect. Yeah, because I mean, at the same time too, you know, we had to we had two different variations of it or practices. So before the tournament, we were basically lifting and replacing all the sides, and then after the tournament, we just let them go. We didn't have to replace anything. Oh, that's excellent. That's really good. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Introducing Genesis RX, a line of comprehensive fertility and soil amendment solutions specifically designed for airification, construction, renovation, sodding, sprigging, and seeding. These blends represent the most comprehensive fertilizers the Andersons have ever produced, offering single product solutions designed to simplify fertility and save time in application. To learn more, visit andersonsplantnutrient.com slash turf. From fairway and greens drainage to full-scale renovation work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind of knowing that professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Since 2005, Golf Preservations has meticulously installed over 500 miles of drainage pipe on more than 300 golf courses nationwide, always keeping disruption of play to a minimum. Visit golfpreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 to speak with us about your next drainage or renovation project. The capillary bunker system keeps bunker moisture at optimal levels to eliminate washouts, soil contamination, plugged ball lies, and other bunker maintenance and playability problems. The patented capillary bunker system not only rapidly drains rain from storms, but also moves moisture back up to the bunker sand through capillary action as needed during drier weather. Capillary bunkers last longer, average a three-year payback, and provide better, more consistent player experiences all with a 10-year performance guarantee. For more information, visit capillarybunkers.com. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report with Dane Wilson. Dane is from the Wakanda Club in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Dane, one thing I noticed uh, digging into, your, into the history of your club is your club has done a really nice job on their website about getting the master plan out there for people to, it's a, we should say this, it's a Tyler Ray, Tyler Ray's doing the work. Um, the architect Tyler Ray, 
And it's, they've done a really good job about, one, explaining what's going on and showing the master plan. But it seems that your club is one that embra- has embraced its architectural history. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely have. I think, you know, the, you know I know Langford and Moreau, they've, they've done a lot of golf courses. But, um, you know, there haven't been a lot of them that have really gone under something like this. And so I think we wanted to embrace that more than anything and just truly restore this golf course to the way it was. I mean, you know, as I first started, we, we were almost, a, I don't know, it, it almost felt like we had two golf courses within itself, you know, because, you know, we were lucky enough where a lot of these features that are very Langford Moreau-esque, you know, we still had those out there, but just a lot of the bunkers had been filled in. Um, some of the bunkers that we did have left over were addressed in, you know, previous projects and they just weren't true to, um, the Langford style. They were more of the flash based bunkers, um, high lifts and, and whatnot. But, but like I said, I think, you know, the bones of the Langford Moreau were still, you know, evident throughout the property. They were just hidden in some of those trees that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and it seemed that looking at some aerials, that's, that there was features definitely in your tree line that that really that really spoke to where the width of the original width of the golf course was. Right. Yeah, and that it was one of the first things that I did when I got here. Is, um, you know, knowing that we had all these like extremely unique features out there, I I kind of worked on some tree removal to try to expose some of these, so you know everybody could really truly see what they had sitting there. Right. Right. I think I find it very interesting that whoever's doing this for your, your club is, you know, you, you click on your history and you can see the newspaper articles of how big of a deal the course was when it was founded or the club was when it was founded. I mean, there's there's an original drawing, the original Langford drawing up on the website so people could see what was supposed to be a 27-hole golf course, you know, and, and, and get an idea of, of what, what was the original intent. Plus... Plus, this it really ties you into the history, and and then that connects right into the explanation of why the work is being done now. I think it's a, I think it's a, a great case study in in explaining to members via a club website what's going on and why. Yeah, I think um, from top to bottom, I think our, you know, whether it be the membership, our administrative administrative team, or even just you know even you know all the way down to our you know, general employees, like every, everybody has truly embraced everything that we've done. And then our membership's extremely excited about it. Um, especially as all this has come to life. Um, you know, it's, there's a huge wow factor out there right now. Yeah. I could say that looking at some of the, some of the photos of, of, you know, completed holes, it's, it's a much different place. It's really cool. Yeah. I think one of the other things that I find one of the th- other things interesting that Tyler did is he brought on board a guy by the name of Dan Moore, who is uh, a uh, an absolute expert in in uh, uh, in Langford and Moreau's works to to come in and um, you know g- give his input on on what should be done. Do you, I'm I'm guessing you had a chance to talk to Dan. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Um, so Tyler Tyler was typically out here once a week. Or- you know, every week for two or three days, then Dan would come to visit us every two weeks. Okay. And it was really interesting to see as we were trying to build some of these features, more specifically, some of the bunkers, um, you know, some of the, you know, ideas or architectural intent 
you know, that Langford and Moreau had, and he was very detailed and he had a lot of pictures and we looked at a lot of them and, um, just even the way we might angle some of the bunkers. Um, we made a lot of those adjustments. I mean, he was an integral part and, you know, really kind of recapturing a lot of, you know, what we installed versus what we still had on property. Right. Right. And so if, if we were doing a new bunker, um, you know, like I said, cause we somewhat had some templates out here. So 16 of the fairway bunkers that we restored were just existing. And then the remaining, um, uh, the remaining 15 were just, you know, restored, but it was really great having Dan there to just kind of help guide us. And, and the tournaments coming, tournaments coming up in Memorial day again this year, I know that you, that's your goal to be open. Then will it be open for the members right after that? Yeah, it's uh, it's our goal to get our membership out, you know, at least a few times before we host the Principal Charity Classic. Okay. And for what it's worth, I mean, right now, leading into winter, we're in a really good spot. I mean, um, we've got turf coverage, you know, for the most part on, you know, everything inside of the ropes or what our typical playing areas are. And the only thing really left that we've got is just a couple touch-up areas where we had a slight washout um, on one of the few rain events that we had through this thing, which is a good thing. But outside of that, I mean, for the most part, we're just left with the hall road that we had and which we still need right now. So come spring, we'll address that and, you know, try to tighten everything up and try to get them out. Have you allowed the membership to come out on the course or whether it be a guided tour or just on their own to see what's going on? Yeah. So, um, I remember often we were doing it, you know, every two, three weeks, um, sometimes a month we would do, uh, walking tours. And so we would just allow our membership to sign up. And then uh, even myself, um, our director of golf or our general manager would take a group of members out and we just pinpoint certain areas to go through or what was most pertinent at the time. Right. And just allow them to walk the golf course and check everything out. That's fantastic. That's really good. Uh, I want to I change course here for a second. You and I were talking before and you are one of the rare superintendents who's the son of a golf course superintendent. So you've had this business in your blood since you were, what, seven years old? Yeah, for for as long as I can remember, I guess. Uh, my dad was at Valhalla Golf Club, Mark Wilson. He was there for 22 years. So he used to take me on the weekends and he'd throw me in the bunkers or let me let me cut cups, which only really lasted one time. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But that, that's ultimately how I got into this, how I fell in love with it. I mean, at first, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, the job itself. Is, you know, he just threw me out there with his guys, and I just like going around with them and just the environment that that was just in general. And then more getting into it, you know, growing up and then breaking bunkers. I started hand mowing greens when I was probably nine. Um, All right. That's really That's great. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing was probably taller than me. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just just the environment and just the camaraderie. I think just within a team got me onto it more than anything. And then just love being outside and you know just love doing this job. You know, he and I have talked before, and you know it's hard to say it's a job because it almost feels more like a hobby. That's great. Is he still in the business? Um, he just retired for the fourth time. So, uh, he okay. retired from Valhalla. Yeah. Um, he had worked, um, he tried to sell 
sold some chemicals, and then uh, he bought a sod farm, worked on that for a while, and then retired again. Then he came to spend a few weeks with me once I first got here, and he said he got his uh, juices flowing again, and he actually took another superintendent job and then just retired again this past July. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see how long so, that lasts. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, what's the odds on the what's when does the fifth job start? When's it warms up again? Well, he, he says it's not a job, but he's doing some consulting now, just for uh, okay. three golf courses around the Louisville area. So okay. I think that's enough to get his itch for now. Correct. And so where did where did you go to turf school? I went to Western Kentucky University. All right. And then where? What was your first job out of there? Um, my first job out of there actually then went through the Ohio state, uh, program to go overseas. And then, um, I helped build a golf course in the Netherlands. And then once I was done there, I came uh, back to where I did one of my internships and I was an assistant superintendent to start at Medina country club. Okay. And I spent eight years there. Uh, we went through the Ryder cup. I helped rebuild uh, courses one and two there. And then from there, went to Florida for three years. And then this opportunity came, came up to get back to the Midwest. And, you know, I had a lot of things that I really liked doing, whether it be tournament golf or, you know, the thought of doing this restoration. Right. It checked a lot of boxes. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what, where, where were you in Florida? I was at Benita Bay Club okay. in Naples. All right. And then, and what was the course in the Netherlands? Uh, the Netherlands was called the Dutch. Oh, awesome. So for a few years after I had left, they had hosted the KLM Open, um, I think for four years after I had left or once they had opened. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and you, and you enjoy hosting the tournament? I do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's obviously something to look forward to right. every year. Right. You know, not that we all don't have something that we're looking forward to, but it's kind of that, idea of getting ramped up and then uh, getting to that point and then resetting yourself and then kind of resetting all your goals for the rest of the year. Right. Right. No, it's, I've been, you know, I've been, I live seven miles from TPC River Highlands and I volunteered there, I don't know, for the last 10, 12, 15 years. And I actually spent a couple summers doing some summer work and work during the tournament. It's a really interesting um, for, for, a, for a crew to always point to that, that you have a tour event coming is is a much different attitude than the three day member guest or, you know, whatever your big tournament is. It's it's really something that that's always the big thing, on, the the big event on your calendar. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, I mean, what we try to do here, anyways, is you know treat every day like it's the tournament. And so, you know, for the most part, we we get to that. You know, whether it be advance week or week of the tournament. We're really not doing too many things different than what we do on a daily basis. And so it allows us to kind of incorporate that mindset, not only for that, but just for the rest of the year. Right. Right. Yeah. I think courses that host, you have to have a different mindset, right? You have to, I think what happens is you understand how good your golf course can be and how to be so efficient doing it. And that has, that bleeds into the rest of the year. Absolutely. I also think nothing bothers, does nothing seems as, a big of a problem once you have a tour event. Do you know what I mean? If you have an irrigation break on a Thursday, it's not like an irrigation break on the Thursday of a tournament week. Yeah. So long as I don't get another four by four uh, muley driving across 18 green, I'll be good in advance. Week. Oh, did you get one? Did you get one of those? 
We did. Wow. So, it, you know, you know, we had some pretty deep treads left in there. Actually, that was the, you know, the Thursday before tournament week. We had that, and we were able to fix it pretty quick, but not something, you know, but to your point, you know, some of, sometimes some of the big things are just small things. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things, or just anything that we do, really, is, you know, reacting, you know, appropriately to whatever you're dealt with. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing your course on television. Uh, just from some of the photos from the website, and it's really looking, it's really looking good, and I can't wait to see it on television. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting, especially you know some of these changes that we've made, um, especially on number 18, where we shifted one of the waterways and moved the tee to the other side. You know, what used to be a pretty much a layup hole is gonna turn into a really good finishing hole, which I think could have a lot of impl implications going down the line. That's fantastic. That's really that's really cool. I want to thank you for um, for taking the time to talk to me. This has been really interesting. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So that concludes today's episode with my guest, uh, Dane Wilson. He's the head golf course superintendent of the Wakanda Club in Des Moines, Iowa. You have been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio.